0: that that regime had identified m- me and my song as being um, as being less desirable right and so they said they basically was banned from the radio mm. and then they ended up kind of raiding the offices of the movie production team that had shot my music video mm-hmm. so they shut that down and all of this was was repressed you know mm. and so at the time it was it was pretty disheartening because Again, this idea of inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. It's like really that's what I, we were pushing for is the
1: inclusion lab to the lab. The lab to the Welcome to the inclusion lab with Kalyan Balavin. I sat down with Sanjev De Silva, the new head of school of the Northern Light School in Oakland, California, who also is the socially conscious hip-hop and reggae educator, Ross Ceylon, for a multi-part episode on All Things Inclusion Lab. Let the experiment begin. Episode four.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so in 2012, I moved to Sri Lanka, mm. right, which is ancestral homeland the place where both my parents immigrated to Mm -hmm. or from, rather, Mm -hmm. in the 70s. I was Mm -hmm. born and raised in California, but, Mm -hmm. you know, deep roots. All my family comes from Sri Lanka. And growing up um, traveling there, it was always just as a visitor, right? Mm. But um, keep in mind, the Sri Lanka Civil War was from 1983 to 2009. Uh. I'm born in 81. So my whole life growing up visiting Sri Lanka was during the Civil War. Mm. So... There was oftentimes, I I witnessed a lot as a a young man, as even a child growing up visiting there, Mm -hmm. um, from checkpoints on the streets to curfews, uh, buses tipping over with people trying to get off the streets, all kinds of crazy stuff. And it really always made me kind of wonder what was going on, um, what caused that kind of civil war, right, 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 which actually kind of sparked my interest in my major, international relations. Uh, with the emphasis on what they call third world development. Right. That's what it was called. Uh, And and so uh, basically through uh, NGO, I ended up going to Sri Lanka to work for this NGO, right, that was doing kind of post-Civil War uh, economic rebuilding Mm -hmm. out there. And so I went there with the intention of just simply to to just do this work. Mm-hmm. I put out a, a little mixtape before I left uh-huh, in right, 2012 because uh-huh. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do music while I'm out there. So let me just get this out of my system. Yeah. But an uh, interesting thing happened when I get there. And that is a lot of the diaspora of the Sri Lankan diaspora were, was returning to the island now that the war had been over for a few years. <coughs> so... What ended up happening was I'll never forget. I was eating um, uh, some koto roti, you know, on, mm. on, on the on, in downtown Colombo, mm. uh, one of the pillow houses. Those who know know. Um, and I, I'm over here eating eating my kothu roti, and all of a sudden a, a guy walks by. And he's like, "Oh, Rasilan, how's it going, man?" I was like, so what are you doing here?" I was like, oh, "I was just shocked to get recognized out there, right?" But then this started happening multiple times, where people were kind of recognizing me for my music. And it turns out that actually the music that I had been putting out ever since my first little cassette tape in 1999 while I was in high school was being heard by the people of Sri Lanka. And so the next thing you know, know, I'm still working my full-time job at the NGO in the office, but... Uh, night times, weekends, I'm, I'm doing uh media appearances, TV, radio, mm-hmm. print, magazine, newspapers you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing live performances. Shout out to my boy Rue Boy Shiraz mm. who uh, recently passed away, man. Mm. Um, he Sorry, man. yeah, man, this brother was beautiful, man. He really took me around to everywhere. He was also a, a reggae and hip hop artist and took me around a lot, introduced me to a lot of the people within the. Uh, entertainment industry, mm-hmm. and I was given tremendous opportunities, right? And so, you know, you can check out some of the the videos that we did out there, like Repatriation Time. We shot that in Kandy, uh, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful part of the hill country in Sri Lanka. Um, you know, we did uh, the Sri Lanka Unites Future Leaders Conference, mm-hmm. which got together kids from both all sides of the Civil War um, in week-long reconciliation workshops, and that was very powerful, and I ended up giving like the closing performance, and that to me is always going to be my favorite concert that I ever did. And it was actually in Jaffna City, uh, which was you know before the the stronghold of the LTTE, yeah, right, and the Tamil Tigers. And so you know the the message that I had was one of unity mm-hmm. and one of justice mm-hmm. um, for for those who had been victimized by the by the civil war, yeah. and myself mm-hmm. being a member of the of the majority group, the right, Sinhalese. Right, right, right. I was very conscious, and my family has always been very conscious of privilege that we have as being members of the majority ethnic group. Mm-hmm. The, the Tamil minorities of Sri Lanka and, mm-hmm. the, and the Muslim minorities, they don't feel that, right? Um, they have experienced historical exploitation ever since so-called independence was mm-hmm. granted in 1948 um, through systematic oppression, mm-hmm. right? Which is actually what caused the Civil War. That's the root cause of it. Classic neocolonial divide and conquer, by the way. Um, you'll see this happening uh, in many different places mm-hmm. where colonialism touches, where ultimately during colonial times, a minority group is elevated as the elite. And then when independence is, is granted, now the majority group feels like they need to be the dominant group and create first and second class, third class citizens, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of was part of the war was about. So I had a song called Heal Lanka, and it was a, uh, a peace anthem, obviously talking about healing in, in the uh, title, right? We shot a major um, music video for it, which, you know, was done with a, a, a movie production team. So it was kind of a big budget thing. I had a song that was uh, number one on the radio being requested. Um, and then um, Hillelunker ended up being very popular on the radio. Then I moved back to America and I get a call saying, you know, um, that they they've taken my song off the radio. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then basically it finds they, you know, um, so my team in Sri Lanka lets me know that basically the government in the time, the Rajapaksa regime, who recently was outed this past summer um, through uh, through major protests, you may have have seen that that regime had identified me and my song as being, um, as being less desirable. Right. And so they said they basically was banned from the radio Mm. and then they ended up, kind of raiding the offices of the movie production team that had shot my music video mm-hmm. so they shut that down and all of this was was repressed you know mm-hmm. and so at the time it was it was pretty disheartening because again this idea of inclusion right mm-hmm. it's like really that's what I, we were pushing for is, uh, I remember giving a speech um at, Hill, at the Sri Lanka Unites that it was I was speaking in English and it was translated into Tamil and to Sinhalese mm-hmm. we had a lot of the trilingual um, efforts that were being pushed. Mm-hmm. you know, we have Buddhists, Hindus, Christians, and Muslims in Sri Lanka, you know what I mean? So it's very, very diverse society. Mm-hmm. But due to kind of post-colonial divisions, there has been, um, you know, and politicians, really corrupt politicians, have caused a lot of suffering, right? And mm-hmm. so um, fast forward about you know, this past year in two thousand and twenty two, there was a major economic crisis because that same government, that had had banned my music ended up running the economy into the ground, and essentially, um, you know, with the with the protests, they were eventually moved out of power, um, and that was a, that was a people's victory, right? But mm. we're still seeing um, the situation in Sri Lanka in terms of the politics and the economics is still very tenuous out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of inclusion, um, the idea of equity. The idea of social justice is seen as a threat to the powers that be
1: in mm. Sri Lanka. Yeah. How would you compare the schools huh. there, the schools here, yeah, and what's true. happening in the classroom in a place that's divided in that way? Right. To what's happening in the classroom here that may be divided in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I think the divisions are similar. Um, One of the things that Sri Lanka as a developing nation, quote unquote, um, has as as bragging rights is the fact that they have one of the um, highest literacy rates in the world. Um, And so while similar to our schools, right, there's this great standard of excellence Mm -hmm. that exists in terms of the academic academic achievement. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the student experience, right, when it comes to the lived reality of the children, Mm -hmm. Are they being embraced? Are they being empowered to be their best true selves? I'm not sure that's always the case, you know, whether it's there or here, you know. Um, But ultimately, I have faith that both here and there, again, with this focus on inclusion
1: of whole student Mm -hmm. education, that we can get there. Wow, I'm confident in that. That's interesting because... Up until now, we've been talking about the idea of communities belonging, uh, creating a spirit of inclusion uh, through equity and uh, other means. Uh, we talked about uh, sports communities, communities of um, fandom, uh, and then we've talked about the stories that inspire. Now, bringing you back to Sri Lanka, uh, you know, an interesting uh, island nation, opportunity for great community. And here is this division that is a um byproduct of colonialism yeah. and the economic practices therein. And uh it's interesting. Uh, you know, you're this, you know, California educator, um, Oakland adopted mm-hmm. and uh you go to Sri Lanka, you see some of the same similarities, uh, you you know, trying to heal and trying to build, and it's blocked. Right. Um
0: and, and what's also fascinating about that, too, mm-hmm. is even the work that we were able to do um, with groups, whether it's um, Tamil students working with Sinhalese students, mm-hmm. right? Where previously they would have been on opposite ends of the Civil yeah, War, yeah. there's still a lot of tension. I really drew on a lot of my nonviolent communication and restorative justice practices that we right. I do yeah. in Oakland with gang impacted youth um, that, you know, oftentimes we'd have to get them together yes. to, talk, to, to try to find a common ground. But I'm interested because I know you, you we we share an affinity with yeah. that part of the world as yeah. well. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about kind of your experience uh, with the homelands.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, for me, it's interesting because my dad, ethnically Tamil, uh, sure. though uh, not as 100% as we thought DNA tests are interesting yeah. in that regard. And uh, My His dad uh, Worked for the U.S. Embassy uh, In South Asia Then he Worked for the My dad worked for the U.S. Embassy there And it's one of the reasons why we We uh, You know my, my family Was able to uh, My dad's family Was able to migrate To the United States wow. The way and when They did it You know And yeah. uh, Richmond, California Became uh, the family home And then we You know Moved on from there In different places and different You know um, So that's That journey, my dad had a uh, a shift in career once he got to the United States. Um, He went to school for um, uh, the semiconductor industry and Mm -hmm. got got in that. And uh, you know, it didn't work out for him in the way that you know some you know job shifts do. A lot of layoffs and so on and so forth. And that was preceded his leaving uh, me. Uh, and right. the family right uh even the way I phrase that leaving me because it's still I can start, sure got issues man nah, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, that's why we're talking and we then uh work, walk, yeah. work through it yeah through yeah it. and then uh he uh he and my mom eventually reconciled uh, uh three four years later wow. um and uh and shortly thereafter he'd passed away and so I've always had this weird relationship with him as a result of the way in which we never communicated mm-hmm. um and so uh I have a strong uh I made a strong attempt to embrace uh my Tamil heritage and try to learn Tamil in college. it's baby. Yes. That's one,
0: that's one of my favorite albums of yours. Uh,
1: fair enough. Shout out. Um and really embrace that 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 side of the culture uh and learn and um to a point where like you know there's folk folks that Still call me Tamil as a nickname because yes, they're yes, they're I, like they're like this I've guy is really into right. you know uh learning about that side of his
0: culture. But in, in fact, can we just say real quick too? Mm-hmm. They used to give me uh kind of a hard time about about the Sinhalese versus Tamil I, okay. dynamics.
1: Yes, I was, there's a lot of dynamics. Not
0: even not even used to. I think it still comes uh, up oh, sometimes, sometimes time to time, I mean? time, time to time. Which is fair. I'll, I'll there there is a
1: genocide there, sir. I mean, there was. You know, yeah. So indeed, you know. So, um, not, as well. yeah, not to yeah, not to make light of it, but no, I yeah, you know, I think I think in, in in but in reality, it's like there's all of that, and <laughs> uh, and so there's definitely a, an affinity for me uh, in relationship to South Asia and that cultural frame, and there was always a, a barrier there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Too that that over the years I had to really acknowledge in my own journey, um, spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and the creating clarity for me uh, in ways that um, I think uh, were important. And yeah. I also add, because I'm going to go there too with you, right? Because we talked about international peace, yeah. but I want to talk about the spiritual journey because that's sure. something that in education we're loath to even touch, but we talk about Man. from a vantage point of mindfulness, from a vantage point of balance, from a vantage point of a facet of identity that's yes, really important. Yes, yes. Whether whatever fills that niche yes. for a student, right? If you talk about you know the intellectual, the the physical, the emo, social emotional, etc. Right. When we get to that, whatever fills that fills spiritual that owned. spiritual yeah. or whatever that c- container is for a student. You no, because it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's a faith-based practice. Sometimes it's a religion. Sometimes it's mindfulness. Sometimes it's a practice or something. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's their time they spend with their pet. I mean, whatever it is, right? right? right. But when we don't acknowledge it yeah. or talk about it, uh, it's uh, it's a significant facet that's important. Yeah. So,
0: and 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 just to add on to that too, yeah. it's unseen, right? Yes. Well, we don't want to make the unseen unheard. Ooh, there you go. Oh, I like how you said that. Yeah. Man. yeah.
1: Um, I'm at the brand that, you know. Um, so you know, think about this for a moment. You have the spiritual journey. Um, you started to allude to it a little bit. You right. talk about high school. You started to hang out with the rosters. You said, "Don't break yeah. that down. What's yeah. what's going on for you in your journey? You're in the Catholic schools, yeah. right? Why 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 was spirituality important, yeah. etc.?"
0: No doubt. I mean, it's interesting because you know historically my family at, at one point. Uh, went from being Buddhist mm-hmm. traditionally; that they'd probably been Buddhist for thousands of years, wow. and then through colonialism became Christian and Catholic, right? Okay. On both sides, both my mother's side and father's side, wow. go back a couple generations, wow. and they had, you know, again through the colonial practice, had had kind of been forced to convert, wow. um, right? And so, but my parents weren't necessarily uh, religious people, but they did send us to Catholic schools, mm-hmm. and so growing up, you know, I went through the first communion thing, but when it came to like. uh, confirmation and and all these different levels of Catholicism, I fell back because at a certain point, I started questioning some of the dogma, Mm -hmm. some of these things that I was being told, you must believe and accept if you are going to be a part of this religion. Mm -hmm. And I remember even asking my, um, you know, one of the teachers at the time about a certain dogma. Uh, I don't want to get into the details of it Mm because I don't want to offend anybody's belief systems. But I saw... I saw a wavering in his eyes, in the priest's eyes, when I when I questioned it, right? Right. And at a certain point, that turned me essentially agnostic, borderline atheist. By right. the time I'm about 15 years old, yeah, I'm basically like, ah, I don't know, whatever's out there, yeah, I don't relate to this, um, you know, institutional religious systems at all, right? And it wasn't until right again. Um, the murder of Tupac and mm-hmm. like find, trying to find something else different right. that I I met my crew who were all Rastafarians yeah, right yeah. and in the Rastafarian system of 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 faith it was more about um kind of those of us who are have been rejected by society that that we we find a kinship in that right yeah, yeah, yeah. society meaning babylon as i referred to earlier yeah, right yeah, yeah. and it was it was about making change in this world and you know looking to ethiopia and and uh the emperor haile selassie is being kind of a a higher figure mm-hmm. and even if you look at pictures of, of haile selassie like i could relate more to that image yes. certainly than i could of the image of 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 the christ that we were given you know what I mean? right right okay and so um and then obviously the music of bob marley um started to become like my soundtrack you know i was making wow. hip-hop music but yeah. i was only listening to Bob Marley uh-huh. and Sizzla Kalungi, who was coming around that time. Sizzla was a part of uh, this uh, conscious dancehall music that was coming out of Jamaica uh-huh. that was bringing strong Rastafarian messaging through this new kind of new form of reggae music. Wow. And me and my crew were enthralled with that. So wow. we, even when we do our shows, we'd. Perform and then afterwards we we throw on some we have our DJ play some sizzle as We're exiting the stage, you know. Wow. We, we'd go to South Central LA where Ross Michael and the Sons of Negus would hold Nyabingi sessions, and mm-hmm. we would we would chant and chant and, and drum all night long, man, until our hands swoll up. And it was so much spiritual energy that I wow, got from wow. the Rasta tradition that gave me faith, right? They, that and allowed me and to have a community. Path. And community for sure, wow. definitely. So to this day, man, I still got enough love for for the Rastafari
1: family worldwide. You know yeah. what I mean? was well, interesting if a if a educator in your journey acknowledged your spiritual connection, hmm. spiritual, how what would that have done for you hmm. in the class when you know in classroom well, or in school? Well, it's
0: interesting because you know educators come in all forms, and I can remember my hmm. basketball coach um, in my freshman year of high school. Um, it was a brother from Baltimore, actually. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think, uh, the Genius Liquid Swords album had just came out. And I remember him playing one of the songs where, where I think it was the Rizza says, um, Asiatic Black Hebrew, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, And he, he paused the CD, he said, yo, y'all go to Catholic school, man. You, you hear what he said right there? Right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a moment of like, oh, wow, okay. I didn't really know what those words meant, mm-hmm. but I knew that the way this this educator of mine, you know, this elder of mine was, was framing it, it must be something important, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, th- that was a little vignette, a, a little a little glimpse into that kind of um, the rare times when a spiritual path was laid out for me oh, by, by an educator. Otherwise, it came from the streets.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. What about for you? Oh, wow. Um, for me... Uh You know, I grew up, uh, I think my parents both, the faith, my dad, very orthodox framing, grew up in the Tamil cultural uh, frame, so a lot of deities and different things. And my mom was a universalist. And so Mm. she was uh, into uh, faith as defined, um, you know, like every every path is real, right? Mm -hmm. And so my mom used to put up pictures of all types of deities, Buddha, Jesus all up on the wall like you know you talk collage wow, yeah. of collage of imagery and for her all of that was ways and ways forward you know to and connect, so to connect, connect to the with higher. the divine yeah, yeah and she's always singing you know wow. and, you know that was, that was my mom and so
0: I wonder if that's where you got some of your musical capabilities maybe well.
1: may, maybe maybe uh I definitely got a lot more from her than just that right if yes. if, if I, you know if that but so I was raising that. And then uh, Autobiography Malcolm X mm. uh, was important to me. Mm. Um, I navigate to uh, first uh, becoming black Muslim, mm. uh, then Orthodox Islam. This is 18, 18 years old. Uh, then uh, 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 Shia Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in that, continuing to navigate and really follow the traditions of Islam as articulated by the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad. And that's become my path. Yeah. And that was that's since, you know, my journey really I feel like began when I was eighteen. Mm. But the precursor to that was a life journey. And I definitely gravitated to Islam because the community I felt mm. amongst the Muslims. I was like, right. wow, this was wow. It was a real diverse community. I felt real comfortable. Right. Uh, multicultural. Multicultural, yeah. and then navigating that. And it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Ramadan was beautiful, uh, a beautiful buffet of foods from different parts of the world. True, and, true. and it was just a, you know beautiful culture. And so that, that that was important for me. And for me, the discipline of Islam and the, and, and the community was a powerful one. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was my journey awesome. uh and it wasn't uh it wasn't necessarily part of my educational experience right so, did you
0: have that at all in school or was there any moments where you felt like uh a glimpse into spirituality or into your spiritual identity was was given to you by in the education process i I'd have I have
1: arguments with teachers I, I'm vividly remembering this stuff you triggered something into me I didn't even think I was going to talk about this. But I vividly remember arguments I had with teachers in high school. I'm not Muslim at this point, right? But I'm navigating towards Islam. I respect Islam, yeah. But I'm—I got some teachers in the classroom saying some Islamo-racist, Islamophobic Mm -hmm. things that we didn't have the nomenclature back then about Islam and Muslims. This is pre-9/11. Oh, was way before now. This <laughs> this uh, yeah, way before now. I want to date myself. way before. Um, but yeah, some some wild stuff about i it. was like, "Ah, so no, I don't think so." Right. And I'm, I'm I'm challenging some of the beliefs and things uh that some of the critiques that are coming up that are really, you know, things that I've heard, you know, during 9/11, yes. uh, post 9/11. Yes. Uh, you know, this other reality that we've lived in now for a while. And it's, it's interesting. I was like, "Wow, man. And um, I remember that now. I I really remember vivid debates with some high school teachers mm. uh, that were definitely putting a perspective forward. And it was very anti-religious, anti-faith right. Right. based. You yeah. know, it was like anti, you know, I don't, I don't know what uh, my teachers would have said if I say, I want to go pray right now. Man. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what would have happened. I didn't grow up in that reality. Right. right? And yeah. so that's interesting. I, and Becoming Muslim afterwards had an interesting navigation through um, college and 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 uh, law school. Certainly in the professional spaces at first, you know, especially in the independent school world, I, I was I'm not talking about my faith whatsoever. Right. You know, I'd excuse myself to, if I wanted to go pray. Yeah, and I'd yeah. Excuse myself for a break. But you uh,
0: were They didn't know what you were breaking. They for. did
1: They didn't know anything right. for a long time. Then there was an educator that I was working with. Um, and he was like, "Man, you should talk to people about your faith. I think it would be powerful for students to know and stuff." Mm-hmm. And over time, I became more and more comfortable with it, and uh, you know, explicating um, my uh, spiritual side. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I found something interesting that happened as I as those moments came up, and as uh, it invited students to share mm. their, their own. exploration. Yeah. Uh, or uh, or lack of exploration mm. and deep conversations. And I think it built a, uh, a more um, poignant connection with certain kids yeah. that never would have happened otherwise. The unseen became heard. Unseen became heard. That's right. That's right. no, powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, the spiritual journey is interesting.
0: Why do you think that is, though, in these institutions that they're so kind of anti spirituality in a sense, you know? But as you mentioned, we'll take in. These pieces, right, whether it's mindfulness or whatnot, they'll they'll take in aspects of it, but not the the holistic embrace of a spiritual
1: reality. Well, it's interesting. I think uh, a lot of folks in independent school world uh, uh, or as a as a um, as a community, not to generalize. I say a lot of people, but not to generalize. um, Look at. uh, spirituality is an uneducated hmm. practice, Interesting. right? Okay. So uneducated right. is you know, and and and, and primarily, primarily their critique is Judeo-Christian, right? Right, their critique would be levied, whereas they look at Islam or they look at. Uh, Hinduism, look at Buddhism, all the different offshoots and all the different iterations and right. all the different other faith based practices, they look at those as cultural. Mm. Right? Mm, yes. And so the part of the story that would always bother people, as is it, I was like, yeah, I became Muslim at 18. That part would cause folks to have like right. a little bit of a twitch yeah. because they're like, they're okay with accepting somebody grew up in a system that they see as cultural. Right, oh, right. right? But, when but you, you chose, I chose a spiritual path right. as a way to make me feel uh, in balance with myself, yeah. to be a better person, to help uplift community and so yeah. on and so forth. That problematizes a worldview that views religion as an archaic, ignorant, mm. you know, Frame yeah. right, and everyone has a different way in which they have faith or practice faith. But that was interesting. So wow. that that was something I noticed mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but I'm gonna flip it back to you for a moment okay. because you stopped at your spiritual journey, right? Your journey continues,
0: yeah.
1: And so I, I'm actually interested. You know, I'm 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 aware, um, but I don't think folks listening are aware. Yeah. Uh, You're Rasta, mm-hmm. and then you continue. True. Your journey. Yeah. This is interesting to me.
0: You got to walk people through uh, this. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. So, like, I would say I was pretty much a hardcore Rastafarian for most of my adult life, right? Mm-hmm. From age 16, 17, mm. all the way up until my early 30s. Mm. Um, I'm talking about spending time in Jamaica, going up to the hills, spending time in a place called Bobo Hill. The Blue Mountains. Yeah, man. Yes. And Bobo Hill in particular, that's where, um, you know... Artists like Sizzla, Anthony B, Capleton, any of the guys you see with the kind of turbans, yes, 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 the tall turban on their heads—they yes. come from kind of what's called the Priestical Order. You used uh, to wear uh, those turbans too, a little bit, a little yeah. bit, yeah. yeah, because I went there and studied, right? Yeah. Um, but what I found was, I'm always, I'm always studying, like even throughout, you know, that's because that's one thing about Rastafari. I think it's more—it's always been more of a, a spiritual path and less religious. So it's okay to study other faiths while you while you're practicing I see that, it, right? I see and not to say other ones aren't like that, but so I I, I did study you know Islam, um, I studied Hinduism and Buddhism and different you know different other 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 faiths mm-hmm. um, at the time, um, but I still was pretty much hardcore in my Rasta belief system. Yeah. yeah. Now fast forward a little bit and. Um, you know, we ended up befriending, I ended up befriending somebody who has a powerful, powerful family lineage. And uh, it's a brother that both of us were friends yeah, with. Yeah, And because, as you mentioned, the autobiography of Malcolm X, I remember reading the autobiography of Malcolm X at 14 years old. Yeah. And that changed my life. Yeah. That's what actually gave me political consciousness. I see. You I know, see. so after studying Malcolm, then I started reading the autobiography of Huey P. Newton, of Bobby Seale of elaine brown of david hilliard of the panther party really I deep see, right and so malcolm was always but i always respected the islamic element of what he you know the fact that his spiritual his political reality was spiritually based as well I see, I see. so malcolm x became a powerful powerful role model fast forward to so, co- t- so tell people who this person was yeah, yeah. so so we're talking about el hajj malcolm latif el shabazz who was the grandson of malcolm x you know and as he would say uh, the namesake and the first male heir of what he would call the greatest revolutionary leader of the 20th century. Yeah, that's how he'd refer to himself and his grandfather. Yeah, and young Malcolm was phenomenal. Man, we met him. He was a couple years younger than than me. We met in Oakland um, in organizing circles, and we would, you know, spend a lot of time together. Um, sometimes he'd come to my concerts. Yeah. Sometimes I'd go to his speaking engagements. Yeah. yeah, and he would give what what what's called dawa or an invitation into the faith to me. I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. But as I talk about my Rastafarian beliefs, he would kind of like question me on some of that. And no one had ever really done that before. Oh, and here's a dude who's a couple years younger than me. And he's like, wait a minute, you believe that who is what? You believe that this guy, this guy, this king in Ethiopia, you believe that he's what now? And so it kind of like, you know, it was interesting. It made mm-hmm. me kind of question some things in a way. And, you know, and, um, and then fast forward a couple years later, man, um, unfortunately, you know, the great tragedy on May 9th, 2013, mm. where he w- he was assassinated or martyred in, yeah. in Mexico City, and and his death had a powerful impact on me. And mm-hmm. In fact, I have a song called Year of the Martyr, which kind of talks about him uh, as well as a couple other brothers of mine that had passed away. And, you know, being in Oakland for so many years and being an educator in Oakland, I've Buried a lot of young people, you know what I mean? Mm, Um, And so it's not like death was something new to me, but to have it happen with Malcolm and then my man Jose, Mm -hmm. my man Judge Deep, like back to back to back, right? Three three murders, essentially, back to back. I was looking for answers, and the answers that I was looking for I was not finding in the Rastafari tradition because in Rasta— life is the greatest thing overall. You don't go to cemeteries, you don't go to funerals, you stay away from anything related to death, right? Wow. And so it was almost like a cutting off of, of afterlife in terms of uh, the Rasta belief system. And so that, that was hard for me to grapple with at the time. Interesting. And so, um, you know, inspired by, matter of fact, the first time I believe you and I met in person, yeah, it was after um, young Malcolm's funeral, or Janazah that took place in Oakland right. on May 17th, 2013. I remember yeah. Ramadan took place after that. I observed Ramadan. And during that time, I was studying deep into the Quran and the prophetic tradition. Yeah. And, um, you know, I eventually found the truth that I was looking for wow. in Al-Islam, you know. Wow, wow. And I took my Shahada after that Ramadan. And, um, yeah, I've been proud to say I'm Muslim ever since, you know. Wow. So I give a lot of credit to, to our brother Malcolm, man. Yeah,
1: yeah powerful. Tune in to the next episode as we continue our experiment. And subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This concludes our Inclusion Lab Report. See you next episode.